1: I don't care if you guys work. I couldn't give a damn. We're here to make a show, make it something interesting. What? Wow. They just
0: like, oh, wow. Okay, there you go. got. She was very heavily pregnant at the time. The What's Eating You podcast is a series of mental health topics that are designed to make you think, learn, educate, and validate. Enjoy the show. Okay. Welcome back to another episode of the What's Eating You podcast. I am extremely excited today because I have an amazing guest on the show. Everyone has been talking about Married at First Sight. And today I have Melissa on the show who appeared on season five of Married at First Sight. And you may remember she was paired with John. They were one of the, I'll say favorite couples. There was a lot of expectations. And if you want a little refresher, you can check out the video, which I may be uploading on my socials or on YouTube. So without further ado, Melissa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Steph. It's lovely to be here. Oh, I cannot wait to dig into this because everyone loves maths and there's so many questions that... People have. But before we even get into that, because I know you are so much more than maths and the show, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what led you to go on married at first sight.
1: Well, um, work wise, my background is being a journalist. So um, I've always been just, you know, write, into writing and um, I love educating myself. So I've done a couple of degrees at uni and um, I've had a couple of marriages. So my motivation for going on Married at First Sight was actually after a bottle of red wine. <laughs> I was sitting home by myself on a Saturday night, not unusual for me, and I got stuck into a bottle of red wine and um, saw the ad for Married at First Sight. And I was like, yeah,
2: I can apply for
1: that. <laughs> <So> I, <just laughs> I love filled that. Out all, filled out the application form. Then it came to the thing, you've got, you've got to make a three-minute video answering all these questions. So I went upstairs and... You know, made myself a little video, deleted it, like sent it all off, but then deleted the video, didn't think anything of it, and actually forgot all about it. And then I had um, a message on my answering machine on the Monday from the producers saying, we've received your application. We really want to have a chat to you. And it just went from there. So, I mean, I guess my motivation was that um, I genuinely felt like I'm terrible at choosing men.
0: Mm. Let them do it for
1: me. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you'd say you sort of went on it looking for love? Definitely, yeah. yeah. I went on it looking
1: for love um, and at the very least to have a fun adventure because I thought, do you know what? I'm a firm believer if things happen, they're meant to happen. So, you know, I thought, well, I'll, you know, I'll go through the process of filling out all the forms and going and doing the audition and everything like that. And honestly, Steph, even during that process, I learned so much about myself. Honestly thought, if I don't get on it, it's not the end of the world. I cannot believe how much I know about myself now after having to
0: honestly answer all the questions that they ask you. Yeah, because I imagine they would go pretty deep. And that was my next question. So there's an application, you send in a video, but what is the screening process? Because a lot of people comment and think, oh, didn't they check that this person had this background or maybe they weren't in it for the right reasons? What is the screening process? Do they give you any assessments or personality screening tests? I mean, I'm thinking from a psychological perspective. What is the process once you do meet with the producers?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I um, was completely shocked just how in-depth the screening process is. So I'm going to explain sort of what happens. Um, With the applicants or with the people that that get chosen to be the cast members, what I discovered when I went onto the show, some of the people had actually applied, others were poached. What? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I applied. Um, My gorgeous friend Jo, who's in Adelaide, she applied. Um, There's a few of us who actually applied for the show. But they also have um, kind of talent scouts that go out to the bars, to the pubs. They kind of, you know, they're looking for people that they want to be on the show, you know. Um, So I would say probably 50% of the cast is actually poached, or certainly on my season, Mm. and the the others like myself actually applied. But so all I know is the actual um, official application process I made my, you know, insane application in probably mid-Feb. I wasn't fully accepted until probably August. And during that time, it was lots of, oh my God, so many questionnaires, so many in-depth psychological evaluations. Um, you had to go in and do a physical audition. Um, where you sort of sit down with the panel of, you know, the executive producer, mm-hmm. Tara, um, other producers, cameramen, um, John Walsh from Channel 9, and they just fire all these questions at you. Wow. So, yeah, it's massive. It's, and then you fly to Sydney and, you know, we had to do these crazy things like we had to wear um, all of the people who were chosen to be the cast. We had to, They sent out a white T-shirt and we had to wear the T-shirt day in, day out at home and then put it in like this plastic bag and send it up to Sydney because then we all flew up to Sydney and had to smell the T-shirts. What? What? <laughs> to see which one we were actually, um, what was they, attracted to or we liked oh, the smell of or whatever.
0: Like a pheromones test. Like a pheromone thing. Yeah, wow. that's when they had Trisha Stanford um, as one of the psychologists. Gosh, you want to make sure you wore your de- deodorant on those days. You wore the t-shirt. How they fun. know me. White t-shirt is not a safe thing. Which I mean, wine and food. Literally. And did you sniff out John, or did you like someone else's scent?
1: I actually said to them, "I don't know if there's something wrong with me. I couldn't smell anything." Like they may as well have given me a brand new t-shirt straight out of the bag.
0: Every T-shirt she gave me, she was like, which do you prefer? And I was like, well, they both smell exactly the same. They just smell like a T-shirt. That is so interesting. And just going back, I'm not surprised some people are poached because, to be honest, I've been poached through Instagram to go on certain TV shows. And I remember at the time it was a dating show. It wasn't Married at First Sight. It was a dating show. I was poached to go on Survivor. I applied, didn't get in. Uh, but it was really funny because I was actually seeing someone at the time who I'm with now. But I remember saying, Oh, I got poached to go on this dating show because I was sort of trying to suss where we were going. But what That's happens? So, <laughs> what <laughs> happens if you meet someone? So, if you start filming and then, well, you said it started in Feb all the way to August. If you meet someone, can you pull out or are there contracts where you can't? Once you've signed your contract,
1: you're, you're in. I don't think there's a way to pull out. In actual fact, um, my, one of my daughters is a lawyer and she was very much, you know, get this, get this contract looked at, Mum, and da-da-da-da-da, and she said, I can't give you legal advice. So I actually went to a lawyer and I got them to look over the contract and the lawyer said to me, look, because I hadn't signed it yet, and the lawyer said, once you've signed this, it's like ironclad, and he said, what you need to understand is they will own you for the next twelve months, so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So his advice was don't do it because you know part of the contract says we have the right to do um anything we want with your image and your words. Mm. Um, but
0: honestly, Steph, I didn't care. I thought I've got nothing to lose. <laughs> I love and that. how much fun. Yes, yes. I think a lot of people may worry going on the show with their image and what could happen with their reputation or career, etc. And I think it can be really positive for some people, but other people who may be not perceived in a positive light, it can be quite detrimental. So on that note, what are three things you think people have no idea about on the show that maybe they should know or be aware of? Yeah,
1: okay. So one of the things I would say is, I'm the sort of person who believes that everybody <laughs> is great, is nice, mm-hmm. has good intentions. Same, same. So that's my natural, you know, um, feeling about the world, I guess. What I learned on the show is that's actually not the case and you feel very much like um, you're in the lion's den. Mm-hmm. So what I had to realise, as I realised as the months went on, because John and I, we, we lasted for the whole series, Uh, for the whole season um what i realized was that don't necessarily believe everything that everyone's telling you i'll give you an example of that Mm. when we had our wedding and it was a lot of fun we flew the next morning very early to new zealand for our honeymoon so john and i would have known each other for maximum 36 hours wow And the producers, who were very friendly, sort of made you sort of feel like you're, you know, your mates on this journey, and they were lovely, but they're there for a reason. Um, The producers started saying to me within the second day of the honeymoon, John says he really likes you. John says, like, you know, he's really serious about you. Maybe you should show some more affection. I'm standoffish until... Mm. I get to know someone. I don't care if there's a camera there. I'm not going to put on an actor. That's not what oh, I was there for. Yeah, I really liked him. But for me, I took it as every day is like the next date. It's not like, you know, just because we're married on television, it doesn't mean I felt married. You know, I needed to get to know him. So they were like, you know, he really likes you. You just need to give him some encouragement, things like that. And I was like, really? And there was, there, I thought, I don't get that impression. Yeah, I mean, we've known each other for a day. Um, but then John said to me, because we did get on so well, a few days later, John said to me, they keep telling me that you really like me, Melissa. And I said, okay, this is what we need to understand. We have to have, like, full communication so we know where we're at because they're going to try to manipulate us because we were one of the cast members that they want our, our us as a couple they want to work so
0: yes I remember watching it and thinking yes I love this you know mature couple who are on the show you can find love at all ages shapes sizes I'm really passionate about that so what you're saying is one thing people should know is you are being told things behind the scenes by the producers or being suggested to act in certain ways that people may not know happens on the show.
1: Yeah. I mean, Tara, the executive producer, one day she came and we were filming um, the commitments, a commitment ceremony. She came storming, and I really liked Tara. I thought she was good and she was lovely to me. But she came in one day and she was so upset with us because there wasn't enough drama. And she said, oh, I don't care if you guys work. I couldn't give a damn. We're here to make a show. Make it something interesting. What? Wow. We were just like, wow. Okay, there you go. She was very heavily pregnant at the time. She's probably like hormonal, exhausted. But what it made me realise was, oh my god. Yes, I'm surprised that John and I got any airtime because we got on really well and we had no drama.
0: Yes, yes, and the drama sells and. We know with all the episodes we're more inclined to watch it with the drama, so that's interesting that they're looking for that potentially. yeah, for sure. What else? Because I know in our casual conversations uh, you talk about the dinner parties going till 6 a.m. Tell us a little bit about that. What may we not be aware of with the dinner parties or commitment ceremonies?
1: You actually get ready for that at about 12, 1 p.m., Wow. So you're actually getting ready in midday. You've got to send through whatever outfit you're planning on wearing so they can approve it. That's like for TV and for, you know, to make sure that there's not too many people wearing the same colour, all that sort of stuff. Then once that's done, they give you your call time that you get like a call sheet email every day and they give you your call time. So like commitment ceremonies, John and I would go separately in the car. When it was the dinner party, we'd go together. The thing with both of these is that they do keep you very sleep-deprived. The commitment ceremony, you're not allowed to drink any alcohol, but you're very much um, strung out because you get to the factory, say, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. They put you, all the different couples are put in different, like, tents up in the top of the factory where they, of the warehouse where they film. And you just wait there, and they give you bottles of water, and they might give you little bags of lollies and stuff like that. But you might wait there till five or six o'clock, so you're there for hours and hours and hours. You're not allowed to have your phone, so phone's the band, mm. all of that sort of stuff. mind you, I did have mine because my daughter was just about to have a baby, and they were lovely to me, and they said, "You know you can have your phone with you so that you know if she goes into labor or whatever they can, you know I can get the phone call. But um, then the commitment ceremonies, for example, the first commitment ceremony we did, we got to the factory like 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We finished filming at 5.30 in the morning.
0: Oh, my gosh. How do you Five, think?
1: It's so long. It's so long. You'll notice, and I really notice it now when I watch it, the bloodshot eyes. Yes. Of so many. And, and I could I'll obviously say to my partner, Michael, you should have a look I reckon that's like three in the morning because they're just sitting on the couch and their eyes are bloodshot
0: they're exhausted and it probably ties into being more reactive being more emotional like do you think it's tactics in a way that they do make you stay up that late That have a lot of alcohol like are they trying to make you more vulnerable to creating drama the dinner party particularly
1: because you get there exactly the same thing. You get there like one or two. Um, you probably start walking in. You get a, um, a list of which couple are going in first and it's all very, you know, spaced out. Um, once you get in there, there's so much alcohol. You know, there's anything you want basically and beautiful food. The food was amazing. So um, good. Oh, the food was awesome awesome stuff it was really good now John was gorgeous to me because he knows that I like a wine and he said to me don't drink too much mm-hmm. he just said if you drink too much miss they will get you
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know and I was very conscious of that because you're in a party atmosphere you know mm-hmm. we actually got on incredibly well I certainly mm-hmm. still do with the majority of the cast you know and and you're all in this thing it's like I kind of equated it to like being in the army where you're just all in this thing that you're the only people who could really understand. Yes. So you're like a support network and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's great to be at the dinner party and the wine does flow and, you know, the champagne and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, so um, they definitely do encourage drinking at the dinner parties so that, you know, you can kind of, you know, what is it the social lubricant or something. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Let loose, be a bit wild. Okay. And what else do you think people should know that maybe they don't know as a a viewer or maybe we'll go into people who are thinking of going into the show later, but what else do you think people watch that maybe they don't quite know or understand that they should know? Um, One of the things that will really, really shock people is that you don't really choose when you leave
1: or stay. What? Yeah. Yeah. basically my experience I got amazingly well with John I didn't want to leave except at one point my um, youngest daughter was having a few issues she was only 16 at the time Mm. and I sort of had a chat to John and I said look you know I don't want to go but I'm feeling that I should probably be there for my daughter and um, I spoke to the producers well all hell broke loose all hell broke loose really? that I was possibly leaving. Um, yeah, I didn't leave, obviously. I sorted it out, got some help down in Melbourne for her and everything like that, and and things actually panned out fine. So I, I was probably panicking a bit as a
2: mum.
1: There were other people that um, were told to leave because they were boring, so they had to right leave. You're kidding. There were people who wanted to leave that they were forced to stay because... Um, I remember one of my friends um, who was with NASA, she wanted to leave. She was just, um, you know, he was really nice at the start and then turned out to be, you know, really difficult. And um, she tried to leave so many times. And the last time she was just like, I'm leaving, you can't do anything about it, Mm -hmm. you know, and eventually, yeah. So, yeah, there is that. I mean, John and I wrote stay every time because we actually wanted to. Yes. But I imagine if we had have got that little card and written leave, we would have been swayed the other way.
0: So at what point do they tell you or say you can't leave or can't stay? Is there a discussion before that moment? So
1: you know the card that that they open up on the couch and say, okay, so what happens um, in the morning? You get your card. They film you writing it. They take and, you know, they film you contemplating what you're going to write and all that sort Mm -hmm. of stuff. And um, then they take the cut. So I'm assuming they take it to the producer, the executive producer, and she decides that, yeah, that works, that works, that works, that doesn't work. If it doesn't work, for example, with Gabrielle, she got called into the executive producers and the other producers and then they swayed her to right state so she would have had to write a whole new card sort
0: of thing. Wow. So they have a but discussion yeah. with you. It's not they don't just flip the card and you open it and you're like, Oh, <laughs> I'm going to actually leave. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was one one of the guys I, I thought he was really lovely. Um, but they said that he and his partner were boring. Wow. So they said
0: you're leaving. That is so interesting. And I think for the viewers, when we watch, we're thinking, why does she keep saying stay or why won't he just leave? So that answers a lot of that mysterious fog around the show. How interesting. Now, Melissa, you said earlier, you don't have any access to your phone. I'm really curious to know what are the social media rules? Do you go through a blockout period? Are you posting on social media during the show? Do you have no access And what happens after the show with your social media? Because people get a lot of followers. I imagine they get a lot of hate. But I've noticed with the recent episode, the comments are switched off on the participants' Instagram pages. So tell us a little bit about the social media around the show.
1: So with the social media, I mean, you're not allowed access. You're allowed to go on Facebook, Instagram, anything when you're filming. So while you're filming, that's part of it. You can have your phone. You have your phone in the apartment, you just can't take it to certain things like dinner parties and the commitment ceremonies. You can't actually access your social media at all um, when it's finished, they set up an Instagram account for you, for example, although some people well these days now most people would have instagram mm-hmm. I, I had like twelve followers <laughs> <laughs> hey friends. <laughs> <laughs> And um, so they set my Instagram up, but they um, th- and they set up my username, all of that kind of stuff. And then after the when it starts airing, then you're obligated. They send you through a Dropbox link to all the photos that they've taken, and every time an episode airs, you have to upload as many photos as you want,
2: mm. and
1: you get to write your own copy. Well, they let me. I don't know if they did for everybody, but they definitely. I've changed. Just keep,
0: keep in mind, everyone, this is going back to season five. Five years. Changed. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, what I have noticed, um, the next season for us, which was season six, they blocked us from all of the cast. We because they, they blocked us from all of the cast in the next season because they didn't want us having any communication with them. Wow. Yeah, it was really weird. I was like, why can't you see this person? And no, we were just blocked. All of us were
0: blocked from the... How CDC did you system. know you were blocked? Do you mean if you went to search a participant, you weren't yeah. able to find them? Yeah. For example, my daughter, Al
1: was following quite a few of the season six people. And she was actually following the Mum, and I said, no. Oh. And so we went on my phone and I couldn't access anything. Wow. Maybe... They take over your Instagram. So basically um, we had the comments switched on when our season aired, but as the time's gone on, I mean, people have got more feral. So um, Mm. I'm assuming that they're just protecting the participants because there's been some pretty nasty stuff out there.
0: Oh, 100%. So just to clarify, you can have your phone, but you can't post on socials during the airing unless they give you pre-approved photos from the show that you can upload and provide captions on.
1: Yes. Yeah, so basically now what so um, what actually happens is you can have your phone while you're filming. Yes. You're not allowed to put anything on social media while you're filming. Yes. You're allowed to start putting things on social media when your episode airs. So, for example, John and I were the last, one of the last weddings, so we couldn't start putting anything on till our year. you know, it was the
0: start effect. Right, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. And then following the show, do you get your socials back or are they still running it or? Yeah, no, you get your socials back. Um we had access to comments
1: and private messages and things like that. But I know that lately they're not doing things on. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I Has think it's a changed. I reckon after last season and all the bullying that went down, I reckon they have turned off the comments because no one's comments are switched on from this season. I haven't checked last season. I think they are, but I think it's a good thing in a way to stop bullying and trolls and different types of social media. And you
1: know, I, honestly, Steph, I didn't get a lot
0: of bad, friends. but I got enough
1: that I know that it really does your head in. Mm. So to not be able to have people make comments is it's got to be better for their mental health, honestly, you know, because there's enough comments if you look at a Daily Mail article or, you know, something like that.
0: Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I want to know, well, our viewers want to know, I've got a few questions. Is majority of the show scripted? And I feel a lot of people say this. When I was doing Commentary on TikTok, people are like, oh, the show's scripted, and in my head, I'm thinking, I'm pretty sure it's not. So let's just clarify this myth or fact: is the show scripted in any way, shape, or form?
1: No, the, the show is not scripted at all. There is no script. There is no. They encourage you to say certain things. Got it. But it's definitely not scripted. But I think what the people need to understand is that. They're filming you basically 12 out of 24 hours. Mm. You might get 15 minutes per episode that you're shown.
2: Right. So they're
1: taking certain snippets. So it's not scripted, but it's very heavily edited. Mm, got so it. Definitely not scripted. But they do, you know, they do encourage you to say certain things and um you know, you know, I don't remember <laughs> at our wedding, you know, we were, you know, you go outside to do a voxy, which is like a voice to camera sort of thing. And um, they kept saying to me, do you think you could fall in love with John? I mean, <laughs> I don't know, it's like, <laughs> like eight hours. And I was like, oh, I don't know. But maybe. Mm-hmm. I, they were saying, Could you just say? Yeah, I could probably fall in love with John. Got it,
0: got it. So when you were sitting on the fence, they'd give you a gentle nudge. So they don't tell you what to say, but they may ask questions or be suggestive of what to say. If Perhaps it's not exciting enough or doesn't answer the question fully. Oh,
1: yeah. And they want people to sort of go, oh, my God, isn't that lovely? Like, you know, straight away, oh, God, it's so much fun to work. I mean, I've been there. I watched the show this season before, so... Yeah, I know what it's like to sort of go, oh my God, they're so cute
0: and all that sort of thing. Wait, before we go into the remainder of this episode, I have to tell you about something so cool that I want you to be a part of. I was getting inundated with questions about how do I manifest my dream life? How do I track lucky girl syndrome? What if I have anxiety? I can't concentrate. I procrastinate. And I needed to do something about this. So I unleashed My Unchaining Your Brain Method in the form of an online course. So over the years of becoming a psychologist, I have developed the ultimate method that helps you attract your dream life, relieve anxiety, and rewire negative thoughts in your brain. Imagine if one strategy could help you change the way you think, feel, and respond to situations forever. Well, now it can. I am starting the Unchain Your Brain course. These are four easy modules which you can do through your own phone or computer. Click on the link in the show notes to find out when the next course is and I cannot wait to see you there. Yeah, 100%. All right, thank you for answering that question. The next viewer question came from someone from Instagram and they said, why do it when the mental health impacts seem so negative? Stories of producers assaulting people. I wasn't aware of that. I haven't heard of that, but I probably just haven't read it. But is there anything you sort of have on this topic?
1: Well, um, first of all, I haven't also haven't heard the story of a producer assaulting mm-hmm. someone. So I don't know who said that, but. It's possible. I genuinely don't know. The producers are lovely. So, um, they're very, you know, they are manipulative and that's their role. That's what they're getting paid for. But they are really genuinely seem quite nice people, the majority of them. So um, why well, go on it when the mental health issues kind of are so huge? Naively I did not know that. Yeah.
0: Until I did it. Um And that's sister- five years ago, wasn't it?
2: It was, yeah.
0: So that that was even when we were just sort of getting into the
1: business, oh, yeah. our season was. Well, our season was the first season that had, like we say, an affair, <laughs> a bit of a cheating scandal, um, and it just went off the charts. You know, I think it went to just some insane amount of viewers, and it just it was very, very successful. Um, I honestly wasn't aware of any mental health issues. I felt like. Um, For me personally as a mature woman, um, I've pretty much been through everything so I can handle this. For me, mental health was making sure that I um, really knew who I was and had a very, very strong background and support network to come home to. Yeah. So it wasn't like I was just floating around you know, a bit lost, like a lot of them, I think, and um, that they really take it all to heart. Um, yeah, I felt, even though I had such an amazing experience, I definitely came back brainwashed, um, and it probably took me twelve months to stop having anxiety about it. When you mean, when you say brainwashed, what do you mean by that?
2: they often said it, particularly with. People like
1: John and I, they would say, "You're going to be sort of if you play your cards right, you're going to be the most loved people in Australia." Yeah. So, Steph, even for someone to sort of suggest that this could have such a big impact, look, you don't know what that means. I'm just like, you know, I'm, I was just like a middle-aged woman who worked as a journalist, looked after my kids, went out occasionally. The the concept that Australia could either love or hate me, mm. I, I didn't understand what that meant, but it felt threatening. Mm. Um, So you're very much sort of feeling like every move you make is going to be um, documented. You're going to be judged. And scrutinised. And scrutinised um, to the point where you don't know what you're going to be portrayed as. So I remember the first every time I watched an episode that I was in, I did have quite a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that sort of fun thing of "Oh my god, look where I'm tally," you know, da 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 da. It was like, oh, phew. okay. I wasn't made out to be too bad there.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and even after, obviously, it didn't work out with you and John, as we can see. But did you feel? A pressure to make it work and how did you actually come out to the world that it didn't work how long after the show did you realize it um we
1: absolutely had pressure on us um luckily we actually were working so it wasn't kind of like oh, what do we do here like we, you know we really liked each other and we got on incredibly well Um, But it was definite pressure because when we finished filming the reunion, they were trying to set up all of these magazine shoots for us, you know, and all these interviews. And um, we went and did a lot of interviews and magazine shoots, but they were all kind of um, predetermining that this is like the love story of the year and we were still getting to know each other. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we were just kind of... um, I'm very much, I have to take things at a day at a time. And until I know, I don't know. So yeah, yeah, there was, there was definitely a lot of pressure. And to come out was, you know, eventually John and I both said to each other, this is not, we don't feel like this is going to go anywhere now. Mm. Wasn't because of our personalities, it was because of our distance from each other. And, you know, when you just also start thinking that, yeah, I think the shine's off now. And yes, you're a great guy. Um, you know, probably thought she's a great girl, but not quite what I'm after. So, yeah, we just told the world via Instagram, which is what I discovered.
0: <laughs> that's how you tell everyone everything. <laughs> literally, literally. Okay, yeah. thank you. That's that's really interesting. I've got two more questions from viewers. Someone asked, knowing how it is now, would she go for a round two? Well, I'm in a very happy relationship, so No.
1: However, if I wasn't in a relationship, um oh, I actually find that a really hard question because I really had so much fun myself, but I feel that the kind of calibre of people that they're getting now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I would not come off very well because I don't think I'd be able to quite cope with them. Mm. I think I'd probably, instead of being like all friendly and everything like I normally am, I think I'd be probably a
0: little bit more judgy. So, yes.
1: That doesn't answer the question. I honestly don't know.
0: It's Yeah, it's really tricky. Would you go? And a lot of them do either go on The Bachelor or go on another dating show or Farmer Wants a Wife. So I don't think it's an uncommon thing if there is a yeah. favourite character participant To go on another show. So I thought that was an interesting question as well. And the last question was from another viewer How much pressure is put on the women to look a certain way for the camera? Was there pressure to look a certain way? I know you said when you dress for dinner parties, you can choose what to wear. They don't necessarily style you. But in terms of appearance, is there pressure to look a certain way? I honestly, Steph, I
1: certainly didn't feel any pressure. Um, For me, to be honest, I love getting dressed up. Yeah. I, I cannot. Amazing. I don't really know how to dress down. So, so, so for me, um, no, I loved it. It was just a chance to, you know, you can dress up as much as you want. You can put your makeup on, get some gorgeous jewellery, you know. Um, I definitely didn't feel any pressure at all. But I think that's also because I went into it just going, be self yeah. and have a great time. Yeah you know, that was my only my only strategy. Yes, yourself yeah. yeah. and have a great time and if they don't like you or you don't come off very well I can't do anything about that, you know.
0: Yes, and that reminds yeah. me what I was going to say earlier is you went in knowing who you were, open-minded, no like major ma- mental health issues at the time. Whereas I think if you do go on that show and you're going through something or you haven't resolved it or you're in a position where you might be easily triggered, it would be a much worse experience, I imagine, versus someone who I guess has done the work or is in a position to find love. So I think how you go into the show probably really determines how you're going to respond to it. Definitely.
1: I I think that my advice always is to people if they're honestly thinking about doing this do you asked to make sure that you're incredibly strong mm. and you honestly know who you are and that you've got a really wonderful support network to come home to? Because for me, my saving grace for my sanity was coming back to my children and grandchildren,
2: mm.
1: was having that stability, and, and my job, um, was honestly having that stability of... <laughs> dad. My dad always said to me, The only time people ever get into trouble is when they start believing their own press. Mm. So I had so much stuff written about me, good and bad, mostly good. But my children, my family were my grounder. I was never going to become a person who got um, caught up in that 15 minutes of fame ever because I just sort of felt like, well, this is kind of fun but kind of weird. Mm. But
0: reality is here, my children, you know. I love that. So, if you're listening to this, you're thinking of going on the show, Mel's suggestion is be strong, have a good support network because you really can't control the outcome of what happens. And it's going to be good, it might be bad. And yeah, it can last for a while, I think, for some people as well. It is very, very trying on your mental health. Like, yeah. Mm, I can imagine. All right. And, I have a question. How has your life changed after the show? Because people obviously become influencers, maybe content creators, maybe they go on it to attract their dream job. I don't know. But how has your life changed? And does the show make you rich? I'm really curious to know. You see all these media appearances. Are you paid for them? Do you get like really cool opportunities? Yeah. Feel free to shed any light on this.
1: It's so funny, Steph, that you say that because I was just thinking about this the other day, how your life really does change so much Mm. but it doesn't change at all. That sounds really strange. I'll explain it. Your life really changes because you can't walk out of your house without people kind of recognising you. Wanting photos with you, wanting autographs, which is just wow. like, can't go into the supermarket without that. Um, you get cars picked up for you to go and do a media event. Um, you get people clambering over you to give you outfits, do your hair, makeup—you know, all of that sort of thing. Obviously, the social media is massive, you know, and I honestly have no idea that the social media, you know, what would how that would become that way. Um, But I will tell you one thing, it does not make you rich because people are giving you things but they're not giving you money so much, you know. I mean, you get paid to do certain media appearances, you might get paid for the odd article, things like that. But it isn't, if people think I'm going to go on this show and become rich, I can guarantee you that 99% go back to their normal life and go back to their normal jobs. And if they had money beforehand, they've still got it. If they didn't, they probably
0: don't. Really? I just thought everyone goes on the show, becomes an influencer, and then they're rich and that's it.
1: I mean, some people do. Some people do really well. You know, I mean, honestly, if John and I had stayed together, we probably would have raked it in because, you know, they want people who are couples. But most people don't stay together. So, you know.
0: That's true. Yeah, that is true. And I guess we're curious to know, how's your life now with love? Because I imagine a lot of people might be thinking, either if they go on the show or don't go on the show, that if they're looking to find love, they're too old, they're too fat, they're too broken, they're too damaged. But you are a mature age woman who has found love. Tell us a little bit about that now.
1: Well, first of all, I never put any um, kind of um, restrictions on myself in terms of I would be too old. Mm. I'm too old for that. I'm too not educated enough. I'm too short. You know, I never put restrictions on myself in terms of that sort of thing, to do anything. I love that. Um, But, you know, I have found like a gorgeous, gorgeous man that I'm in a relationship now. We've been together for like 16 months, I think. And um, he is the same as me in so many ways and opposite me in so many ways. I'm like five foot one. He's like six foot three. He's this massive Greek guy. I'm like this little <laughs> tiny swan. Um, I'm kind of very light and probably a bit too airy-fairy sometimes and he's quite serious. Um, But he's just absolutely gorgeous. We have, um, I've never had a relationship with someone where it has been so transparent.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, He, and thanks to him, he insisted on that. He was very much, Mm. I want to tell you everything about me. I want you to know probably, you know, too much, but I don't want any surprises. And the most important thing to me is honesty. Mm -hmm. And being, you know, just being transparent about everything. Love that. So I found that really unusual. Every relationship, you know, nearly every relationship that I've had that's been significant, um, they've been quite, um, I'm going to say the word sneaky, but I'm sure there's a better word for
0: it than that. Mm. That Even maybe secretive or not fully transparent or just not having that open dialogue. Definitely,
1: definitely secretive and not transparent, you know. Um, so for this, with with Michael, it's so, it was quite strange for me to get used to it at first. I was like, oh, oh, so we're going to tell each other everything. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and that made me, it, it just made me um, be more honest as well and not be scared to actually say how I'm feeling. You know, especially in the early days, you know, I was seeing a psychologist for quite a long time and one of the things that she said to me was, um, when you first start dating, she said, you've got to realise it's like you're wearing your best party dress.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You're always, everything's positive, everything's happy and light and joyful. And she said, once you've been with someone for a couple of years, you're wearing your tracking pants, you know, and then you just let yourself go. and Not let yourself go, but you know. Yes. Um, but, yeah, so so I'm not used to this sort of straightaway warm into yeah. being honest, being open, and honestly, Steph, it's just wonderful. I have not had, and I'm quite an anxious person, mm-hmm. and I have not had one, well, a couple, but not not many moments of anxiety with him because my anxiety is always around what's not being said, mm. you know, it's just feeling, like, oh, something's just not sitting right with me. Well, with him, I never feel
0: that way. I love that. And I love how you were just so open after all your experiences, your marriage, going on maths, that not working, you were still open to love. And I know in our conversations, you said this was totally unexpected. You weren't really in a place where you were dating and it just sort of happened. If you don't mind sharing a little bit about how it happened or where can people find love? Or do you have any suggestions of people who may have been in the same boat?
1: Yeah, okay. So I really think that, um, so when my previous relationship broke up, I was um, in a really bad place, really bad, really bad space. I mean, we're talking, my father had passed away the year before, Max had the year before that. Um, I was feeling very, very lost and 100% not ever wanting to have another relationship, Um, I had to do my advice to people when they are feeling, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 70s, who cares? Yes. um, Give yourself time to get over it. Like give yourself time to grieve. Um, Give yourself time to not only grieve, but then actually get to know yourself as a single person, Mm. not as a person who broke up, has just broken up, not as a person who's looking for a relationship, you know, actually as a person who's just really getting to know themselves. And I spent two years being by myself. I, mean, I went on dates and things like that, which probably sounds like, well, I was out there looking, but I actually wasn't. Mm. One of my friends actually said, you need to get out there and just because now you're hiding. So I went out on dates. So I thought, well, I need to put myself out there a little bit and see how, like, the new Melissa, who really loves herself, yeah, girl. I was in these situations. And it was really interesting. It was more, you know, it was more kind of um, research and educational to see. And then if I met someone that I really liked, of course I'd go out and, you know, see them again and everything. But it's never, ever, ever too late. But also you don't have to have a relationship either. And that's the thing that is the difference with me now is I feel like I always felt like if I wasn't in a relationship, something was missing. Yeah, but there wasn't. It's just so crazy. It's like um, the, the Wizard of Oz, mm. like you had the power all the time. You have it. Power was me. Mm, you are the power. I love being in a relationship with Michael because it's the right one. But I also know that I was totally fine, just me. Yes, so totally fine. And that's a whole that then what you're willing to accept completely changes. You know, when you're desperate to be with someone because you feel that if you're not, you're something's missing in your life, you're going to put up with so much. You know, you're never going to ask yourself the, the 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 serious question of, "Am I happy now?"
0: Yes, and I believe that. I always believe you attract the love you believe you deserve. So, if you're going into dating with uh, low self-esteem, negative body image you are going to have lower expectations, lower standards, and you're going to even compromise on your own value. So what I'm hearing from you is you went into this knowing who you were, you were confident, you knew what you were looking for, your expectations, your standards, and for that reason, you attracted someone who matched that same level of energy with you.
1: It's so true. Steph. It's so true. And, you know, when we first started dating, when he and I first started dating, honestly, our very first date was the only date I think I've ever had that I sort of felt like, wow, you're amazing. You felt it. You're amazing. Yeah. And so we kept going yeah. Yeah. You know, and what the difference between me, three or four years ago as to me with this experience with Michael is I kept checking in with myself to make sure I'm happy. I'm not going reverting back to those things of just being a people pleaser. Just, you know, yeah, I'm happy with this situation. I'm fully being myself. Yes. Because that's something that I've tended to not do. I've been a bit like the runaway bride where, you know, you kind of Julie Roberts always making herself be what, you know, the partner wanted.
0: Yes. Other people want, want you to be, oh, this has been so amazing. And I feel a lot of people will listen to this and get hope and courage and learn a lot about themselves, because I think it's a process of learning about yourself, but you also learn about yourself in a relationship as well. And not to be afraid to speak to your partner, ask the deep questions and Communicate. And if anyone's wondering how Melissa and I know each other, our partners are actually related. And that's how we met. And it's an incredibly interesting story. And I feel so grateful that we've met through this way.
1: Oh, me too. I'm so grateful. I've feel like met such a lovely friend in
0: you. You're a your ray of sunshine. Oh, you too. And look, if our relationships don't work out, can we still please be friends?
1: <laughs> Jokes, touch wood. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: no, it won't. I think we're both yeah, very, very lucky to be where we are at the moment. And just to sort of end, you did mention when we were chatting, because this is all about mental health and what's eating you, you also overcame an eating disorder, and we can do a whole episode on this if people are keen or interested, but how did you sort of navigate that? For anyone who's listening and they may have eating issues, because I know that can often stop us from putting ourselves out there and looking for love, just linking the topics together. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, you know, eating issues
1: are about the fact that you really don't love yourself or accept yourself if you want so for me, I developed adorexia when I was 14, mm-hmm. I'd say 14, 15. And um, I didn't, I probably had two years of my, I don't know what you actually call this, but I used to just swallow boxes of laxatives. So I didn't actually make myself vomit or anything like that. I just used to take boxes and boxes and boxes of laxatives as well as restrict my calorie intake. Um I got down to thirty nine kilos um lost my period um for about a year ended up um I was just shy of them putting me into hospital to feed me like you know however they do that and um i don't i honestly Steph I don't even know what happened I had a massive wake up call I think it was maybe the the going to hospital thing and um I started eating. I guess I started eating first of all because something just switched in my brain that I thought what are you doing? I was terrified of getting fat. I felt like getting fat would be the worst thing in the world. Mm. Like life wouldn't be worth living. I just had really low self-esteem. Um I did not know myself at all and um I, I couldn't see how skinny I was. Yeah. I you know would sit on the stairs in a pair of shorts and there'd be like a tiny little bit of you know flesh hanging over my shorts or whatever, and I would see that as and this is at like forty kilos. Gosh, a terrible. It was just a terrible so I fully understand um, that these food issues are massively psychological. Mm. And, um, I think that I don't know the answer to it because I know that but I do think that learning to love yourself and learning to accept who you are and not put your worth on what you look like, yes, you know is a
0: really good start, absolutely, because if you put your worth in your weight, that changes that fluctuates. I mean, you go through pregnancy menopause, whatever it might be. And I actually met my partner when I was at my heaviest and when I felt, I guess, the least desirable, but I worked to change that. I purposely put myself out there. I went on dates because what you think of yourself is not what other people think about you, but your perception creates your reality. So if you're constantly perceiving yourself to be unlovable, unworthy, fat, not good enough, That's gonna become your reality. So it's amazing to hear that you made it through because the statistics for anorexia are very slim. So yeah, one in three people, one in three people will I guess make it out to the other end and get a full remission. So it's amazing you're able to hear be here today and speak about your experience. So I I still in in saying that though, I
1: still feel like I have leftover issues with food not even food so much because I eat what I want when I want however I weigh myself a lot mm. and I feel like that is definitely something that's still uh, you know carried over from all of those years ago yes 40 years ago
0: yeah I agree I think people ask me and they're like you know do you really ever overcome an eating disorder fully and I believe there's a spectrum And look, every now and then it will rear its head up. I know for me, if I'm feeling particularly bloated or I've had a big weekend or I haven't got my exercise in, sometimes those niggling thoughts will come up, but it's about what you do about them. For example, you can step on the scale and stepping on a scale isn't necessarily a really bad thing. For a lot of people, it could be a useful tool if you're competing, if whatever it might be. But it's all about how you respond to triggers, right? If you step on the scale and you freak out and you start restricting and you start excessively exercising. Yes, it's problematic. But if you step on the scale and you're like, okay, my weight fluctuates, I sit between this kilos and this kilos and that's okay. Then your life goes on. So I think it's important to highlight that there's no perfect recovery when it comes to any mental health issue. It's how do I deal with the triggers when they do come up? And that is what recovery looks like. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And not restricting, not starting to restrict yourself again and- Yeah. Getting into that terrible headspace, which is just like a book, food jail. Like it's you,
0: you literally incarcerating yourself, you know? Yeah, exactly. So that's amazing. Now, before we wrap up, Melissa, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. I know you published a book. I know you have a book coaching business. Tell us a little bit more about that. And if people want to reach you, how they can get in touch.
1: Yeah, so um, I work as a book coach, so I help people write their books. Um, I wrote a book a long time ago, well, after maths. Um, I had been writing it for many years, which was about my life experience and um, had a lot to do with my father, who was a huge impact on me. I finished it after my father passed away and I did it as um, a tribute to my dad. Um, And so now I help people write their books. So, yeah, my book coaching is called The 90 Day Author. The 90 Day Author. The 90 Day Author. And you can find me on Instagram as well, which is Melissa underscore maths. And if anyone thinks why is she hanging on to the maths, it's because I can't get rid of it. It's so hard to change your Instagram handle. Yes, I can't change it. I cannot change it. Yeah, because yeah. it's got the blue tick. And apparently you can't change it once it's got the tick. Oh, okay, that's, that's right. what I was saying. because my, even my children bag me saying get rid of the
0: maths mum was five years ago. Wow, I like it. I think it makes you easy to find and people can get in touch. And look, if you're listening to this, and you think I would love to write a book one day, everyone has one book inside them at least. So get in touch with Melissa. She is Amazing, and extreme ray of sunshine, just so supportive. So make sure you do get in touch. And anything else, Mel, before we go that you want the listeners to hear or know, any words of wisdom or anything you would want to leave uh-huh. people with?
1: Yeah. So words of advice for anyone who wants to go on merit at First Sight, apply for it, is thinking about it, is make sure that you are very strong and know who you are. Realize that you're going to be taken away from your family, your friends, everything that you've always known, and just make sure that you're mentally strong because that's the most important thing. Um, Now, another word of advice for anybody who's looking for love because I feel like a lot of people, especially as they start to get older, start to think, oh, I'm too old for this. Mm -hmm. I can't. um, Love has passed me by, all of that. You are never too old You are never too old. You are never too short. You are never too fat. You are never too skinny. You can do whatever you want in your life. And if that is to choose to try to find a partner, do that. If that is to go the rest of your life by yourself, do that. If that is to go and study in Tibet, do that. If that's to go back to university, do that. You know, we don't have, don't place restrictions on yourself just because you think, I'm past that because I do not believe that at all. Life's here to be lived.
0: I love that. You're so inspirational. And I think what the message here is the restrictions are self imposing. Society's not telling you this. Yes, sure, there's influences out there that make you think this way, but the thoughts you tell yourself ultimately control your life. So if you can change that, change your restrictions, you really can change the outcome. That's amazing. Thank you. thank you so much for being on the show if you don't make sure you go find melissa on instagram melissa underscore maths is that right yes amazing and we look forward to hearing your feedback on the show make sure you rate make sure you follow and let us know if you enjoyed this episode take a screenshot and tag us both we will see you on the next episode thanks everyone